What is truth? Seldom black and white, usually complex. The fifth column goes on the inside in search of it. They saw me walking past them in one of the restaurants and they followed me from there onto the street. There were about five of them. They were shouting at me and demanding money and swearing. They were saying, give me money or I'll effing kill you. That may sound like a description of drunken abuse or racial violence. It's neither. It's a description of a physical attack on a disabled person. And this is no one-off. It's just one example drawn from thousands. Following the Paralympics, many able-bodied spectators say their attitudes towards disabled people have been changed. We shall see. Until now, hate crimes against the disabled have grown in number year after year. I'm Dougal Patmore, and in this edition of On the Inside, I shall go in search of what is fueling this unacceptable rise and consider whether the Paralympics really can change things. First, though, what do we mean by a disability hate crime? Catherine Quarmby is a journalist and author of Scapegoat. Disability hate crime is any crime where there is an element um, in which the crime itself was motivated by hostility towards that that person's disability. So a normal burglary um, where the person happens to be disabled wouldn't necessarily be a hate crime, but a burglary where then, say, graffiti was left scrawled on the walls saying, you know, nasty words about that person's disability would probably be seen as a disability hate crime. Catherine believes that helping to fuel negative feelings are irresponsible, often inaccurate, portrayals of the disabled. I am very, very critical of the coalition government and the rhetoric that they have deployed um, against disabled benefit claimants. We're seeing open use of words like scrounger, skiver, faker, appearing time after time after time in newspaper headlines. We're seeing campaigns to shop a, a disabled benefit claimant, you know, a scrounger, in both the Sun and the Express newspapers. But where is the evidence that this narrative is having a damaging impact on public attitudes? Inclusion London, the disability rights charity, in 2011 commissioned a report on disability from the University of Glasgow and the results seem to put its finger on it. Chief Executive Tracy Lazard. The portrayal of disabled people has systematically kind of moved to a hostile portrayal, a negative portrayal. So there's a lot of methodologies that the university used systematically going through press coverage of disability. And they then carried out some focus group work with just members of the public and asked them what do they associate most with disability. And in all of the focus groups that they worked with, Disability benefit fraud was the first association that members of the public had when you said the word disability. And then when they were asked why that link, the members of the public in the focus groups just said, well, you know, it's really high, it's in the press all the time. And then when asked, well, how high do you think kind of the fraud rates are? Many, many people were citing, oh, it's 70%, you know, 70%, I think. And it's like, well, why? It's not, well, I read it in the Daily Mail. Tracy Lazard. It's disabled people, of course, who pay the price. He saw me listening to Michael Jackson songs. So he called me a paedophile and a child molester. 
every day for a long time, more than seven years. I get abused when I'm either online or when I walk out on the street. I get called these names. Politics loom in this as in most other situations, and Tracy is not uncritical of the government's Department of Work and Pensions. It's more than a coincidence that you will find out that, say, in Duncan Smith's special advisers have briefed certain sections of the press about disability benefits. And then the next day we see headlines like, all you need to do is fill out a form and you just get benefits that enable you to live a life of luxury. So there is a link between these kind of off-record briefings by the special advisers of ministers that then is reflected in the press. Likewise, the kind of manipulation of DWP statistics. There's a hell of a lot of concern amongst disabled people that there is this link starting from our politicians being reflected in our press that then is linked to increasing hostility and hate crime against disabled people. I contacted the Department of Work and Pensions No representative would appear, but it did make this statement. Disability hate crime in all its forms is intolerable. It perpetuates segregation, creates fear and has no place in our society. For the first time now, police forces collect and record disability hate crime on a regular basis and have been working with disability groups to encourage greater reporting of disability hate crimes, which continue to be enormously underreported. We also continue to work with disability organisations to promote positive attitudes towards disabled people and tackle discrimination and harassment wherever it occurs. Tracy Lazard agrees that these are not mere idle boasts, but believes that much more could and should be done. I'm not saying for one moment that every single case of hate crime is linked to the press and the kind of the public narrative about disabled people. Awareness of disability hate crime as a hate crime is playing a part in increasing disabled people's confidence of coming forward and indeed increasing disabled people's um, kind of awareness that the hostility and the kind of verbal violence and harassment that they experience is a hate crime. It's not just something you've got to deal with if you're a disabled person. So there is a shift in understanding which is really welcome, but it's slightly at odds with a political narrative by this government that disability benefit fraud is a huge issue. So they're using the imagery of the the scrounger and the cheat to kind of soften up public opinion and make these cuts, which are pretty horrific, more palatable. Catherine Quamby. New Labour and previous Conservative administrations did something that was really good. They started to embed in legislation all sorts of uh, positive equality measures for disabled people. That was really, really good. It was absolutely needed, the Disability Discrimination Act. But what that process didn't ever do was educate the general public as to why this was important. So you had legislative progress, but what you didn't have was any work on society's attitudes. So then we got to a point where the money ran out and we had the recession. People have never really understood why disabled people had what they might see as special perks. And the coalition 
doesn't really think they should have them either. So then at that point, the coalition starts questioning why disabled people should have special payments and so on at a time when society already had the view that they shouldn't have them anyway. And the two things come together and it's an absolutely perfect storm for disabled people. So to the Paralympics. This is what Prime Minister David Cameron said about legacy and changing attitudes. We can be very proud that more Paralympians are taking part in more sports, in more stadia, watched by more people than at any time in the past. It's been a, a sellout and that is, I think, a great story for our country and it will inspire a lot of people and change people's views about disability and that is absolutely crucial. Fine words, but easy sentiment or practical promise? Last word goes to Catherine Quamby. There will be a bounce. Hopefully people will think, OK, there's a few great Paralympians. That means uh, all the disabled people out there I see on the streets in wheelchairs, they're all perhaps Paralympians. And then they'll realise that most people aren't, just like most of us aren't Olympians. And then they'll think, well, why aren't they Paralympians? Why aren't they out there training to be, you know, heroes at wheelchair basketball? And they will be disappointed. So I have... I'm afraid no great hopes that the Paralympics is going to change that longer term. To hear more of our podcasts and to have your say, visit our website www.thefifthcolumn.co.uk.